What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hi, this is Luca Bercovici, author, poet, wit, neurosurgeon, hemi-demi-semi-quaver. You're listening to Zach and Dustin on $2 late fee. Cool. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. Either way, we'd know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Um, did you know that a bird eats half its weight in ice cream every single day? I, I did not know that. <laughs> well, it's not true, but I took part in a free seminar yesterday and they said that you got to hook your audience in the first five seconds. Um, so are you hooked? Sure. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. I mean, people like birds. And ice cream. So I just spontaneously combined those. The listeners that are now engaged, for, you know, they're, they're now like hooked in on this interview. So they're going to be like, wow, what else? What else is coming my way? Well, this interview is actually pretty wild stuff because. Wild uh, stuff. Wild stuff. I sound like Johnny Carson. I think that. I did not know that. <laughs> our guest today, Luca Bercovici had so many great stories to tell about one of our favorite movies, American Flyers. And of course, we talked to him about his acting career, uh, behind the camera directing career. But we also got a little bit deeper with the man, did we not? We did. So uh, for those for those keeping score at home, we got Luca starred in American Flyers. He starred in K2. He directed uh, and wrote Ghoulies. Um, and Rockula, which uh, kind of a little a little callback to when Dean Cameron was on our show. Not once, but twice. Did we talk about Rockula both times? I don't recall, but... Uh, briefly, briefly. D- Dean Cameron, star of Rockula, uh, referenced something that Luca did that we got to then talk to Luca about, which I thought was really fun. It's it's nice, that, that kind of like that, that small little world that we get to kind of revisit and it's like oh this person said that and like oh yeah baby <laughs> Luca is an enlightened dude his uh, his energy his energy was was um what's that word where you infestatious not, not not addictive but his his energy was uh um, incestual no when uh, you get like when like you feed off someone else you're like oh yeah uh, parasitical contagious it was contagious not contagious no anyway uh, I, I think I think it's important to note here too is that sort of how we we came to get Luca because it was one of those things of like uh, it was very it was one of those just like stars align and fast like just like yes. boom 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 hey guys I don't live in town but I happen to be in town when you need to talk to me and we were like what yeah it, it really ha- it was kismet because Luca yeah does not live in this part of the this part of the world uh, and he just happened to be in town for the holidays and and fortunately we were able to sit down with Luca in studio cheap plug by the way Luca did a two dollar six questions segment for us for our patreon and it's really good it's really entertaining oh yes and speaking of we have a new patron to shout out uh, our very good friend uh, Jeff. Horatio Hall, I think that's his middle name. Um, he certainly never told me what it was, but that just sounds right coming out of my mouth. 
Jeff Jeff Hall from uh, the Parental Advisory Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. As always. Yeah, Jeff. Thank you once again for supporting the show. Thank you to everybody who supports the show, all our patrons, all our listeners. And an expensive plug. Not really, not really. It's just that everybody says cheap plug and I'm doing the opposite. Uh, If you (laughs) get inspired and you can go over to uh, rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be a huge help to us. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podchaser, Stitcher, any of those you want to throw up a review, uh, we, we really appreciate it. Um, and uh, and the more stars you give us, the more good luck you'll get uh, heading into the summer, which is always good. I thought you were going to say the more stars you give us, the more stars you'll get from us on the show. Oh, oh, like celebrity stars? Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's good. Well, that's interesting. It's kind of like Tinkerbell, like when she's dying and they're like, it's because not enough people believe, like... If you don't give us the stars, we can't get you the stars. Don't let Tinkerbell die. $2 late fee is definitely going somewhere. (laughs) Straight up, baby. Straight up. So without further ado, enjoy Luca Bercovici. A race against time. I think it's begun, Denny. Beyond pain. Marcus, what the hell is going on? Beyond feeling, their last chance together. Marcus, what's the big deal? You don't need me, you're winning. The big deal is we're brothers. God damn it, David, you were there! All right, tell me, Dr. Summers, when people aren't as strong as you would like them to be, okay? And they let you down, have you ever considered forgiving them? Kevin Costner, David Grant, Ray Dawn Chong, Alexandra Paul. From John Badham, the director of Blue Thunder and War Games, comes American Flyers, a film about winning and losing everything. Luca Bercovici, thank you for being on $2 Late Fee. It's totally, entirely my pleasure. Yay, yay. I mean, I was saying to Dustin, um, your films that you've been on screen for and behind the screen for have really shaped a huge part of my of my life um, from like being a young kid watching American flyers and being like, yeah, American dream and doing this thing and overcoming obstacles to like becoming a teenager and watching movies on Cinemax and going, Oh, sunset heat. I love that movie, you know, and like playing a grizzly detective in that, you know, to like K2 where I'm now an adult and I'm crying because, you know, when your character has his untimely demise and, you know, but ultimately adds to the main characters living at the end. A yeah. huge part of it has shaped me personally, so it's a huge honor uh, to have um, you. Um, listen, you do your work. You think it just goes into a vacuum. You have absolutely no idea. If you if you had told me back then that we would be sitting here talking about this stuff, I would just it would just be mind blowing because you don't have any concept of how things have longevity yeah. or or what has longevity and uh, and the things that we're going to be talking about. You know, it's just mind blowing that, you know, 20, 30 some odd years later, we would be talking about it is just humbling. Right. Because you certainly have no idea when you're making anything, what's going to become of it. No. Any creative endeavor, really, whether you're writing it or directing it or starring in it or whatever. But what Zach just said can't really be understated because he, he was like, he was like, when he gets to be in his bonnet, he's like, I need Luca on the show. And I was like, oh, g- great. Yeah. And then he's like, all right. And then 10 minutes later, I got him. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it really was like that. So <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, the, the kind of premise of our whole show is that we, we love the 80s. We grew up in the 80s. Very nostalgic for us. But a lot of movies that resonated then were like, well, what, is, what, is, what do they actually look like now? And so then we yeah. always kind of go back. We revisit and I would say like 90% of what we revisit were like, yeah, you know, for various things. And so when we were revisiting your, your filmography, I was like, yeah, like there was no, <laughs> you know, there was no like, oh, you know, like nothing, nothing really about it other than, you know, certain things in the 80s politically or whatever don't wouldn't fly today. But um, but there's nothing about these stories that are like, oh, I don't believe that or that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So thanks. <sighs> cool. Okay. <laughs> and we're done. No. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for okay, coming. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, cool. yeah, that's the thing. We just watched American Flyers recently together. And watching American Flyers, I'm getting choked up through this whole thing. And I'm emotionally, the music, certain scenes where the music is really hitting, that pulse pounding synth track. And I'm just like thinking back to when I was a kid watching this film, relatively a kid, and having those same visceral feelings. And, and then you come on screen. First thing my wife see, says, because she's never seen the movie, uh, she goes, he looks like he should have been in the Warriors. And I'm like, well, that's because he's wearing a vest with the six-pack abs. And yeah, actually, he could have been in the Warriors. You know? I, and, and I was in the war. I was in the, I, there was a pilot for the TV version of Renegades. that. Renegades. Yep. And I had a fight scene with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so she was kind of sort of right. That show uh, should have had more legs than it did. I would have, you played Blade in that Blade. show. Yeah. <laughs> There's a character later on named Gillette, which is kind of funny. So I just want oh, to point that really out. Um, yeah, a TV movie that was like the pilot, basically, for it yeah. lasted six episodes. And right. Patrick Swayze, great right. cast, actually, right. on that show. Um, right. Having a fight scene with Patrick Swayze way hey. back when, soon yeah. after yeah. Outsiders. Yeah. 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 That was yeah. fun. Yeah. So American Flyers, I mean, um, I had just finished Ghoulies yep. and I was just bogged down with work and my agent, Russ Lister, rest in peace, my brother from another mother, um, I miss him terribly, um, called me up and said, you've got this interview for American Flyers. And I said, Russ, I can't go. I just, I'm too busy. I can't, I can't do it. He says, shut up. You gotta go. You have to go. You gotta go. And so I went in and I just like, you know, I was reading with Wally Nasita and there was uh, John Batham there. And and we did the scene um, that that I that I did with the reporter. Yeah. Right. And I just fucking laid into Wally Nasita. I just laid into her and I got the fucking job. Right. And then, you know, that was the summer of 1984. And what a great way to spend the summer and what a great group of people and john batham was just awesome and radon chong and alexander alexandra paul and and uh and kevin costner and david marshall grant i mean they were just awesome robert townsend awesome. robert townsend robert townsend and i like struck up this friendship and we were friends for a long long time it was like we were it was he and i just you know wow yeah I it was that. really fun oh you also uh, make it sound so easy <laughs> like my agent <laughs> called and went in and do you feel like you were because your exasperation from Ghoulies yeah. and your work was no, just like I I, I just brought it into the yeah. room and uh and I just and you know I just fucking let her have it. <laughs> you know. What kind of a departure from Ghoulies? Like obviously you directed that, you wrote it, you know, and, and had such a that was your baby at that time. And to go on front of the screen again and play this character, Muzzin, aka Cannibal. And just, yeah, that anger and that tension and like that the ferocity to win. You've had that to the point where you almost killed David. But then at the yeah. same time, I'm like, I'm not defending that, but it makes sense, your your aggression. Yeah, and you can see why, you know, um, he and Radon's character never actually, you know, broke up after a certain period of time. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Right. So, um you know, I, I don't know. Listen, um, what I, having played a lot of bad guys, um, the, the whole point of the exercise is to find some thing, some sort of sense of humanity in them. So it's not just some sort of cardboard cutout, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. characterization of I'm a bad guy. Bad guys don't look at themselves in the morning, you know, in the mirror and go, you are a bad guy. You are bad. You know, no. Right. Everybody's a hero in their own in their own story. Certainly. And so um, I don't know, to whatever degree I uh because I ended up I played the bad guy for many years. Would you call yourself a bad guy in American Flyers? Um no. I mean I mean, I don't know. You could really get I mean, I served as the bad guy. I served yeah. as the foil to david marshall grant i served as the foil to kevin costner yeah. you know what i mean i was you know uh so i mean bad guy is just a little bit it's it's a it's a lazy term to yeah. use yeah. but you know but yeah you have to have a bad guy well what i love about your character though or the moment for me personally um was 
was seeing a quote unquote villain have a sense of humanity at the end where you come up to David and you're like next year, you know, this yeah. idea of like we're competitors. It's not about right. You're accepted. Yeah. You're yeah. in the club. I right. love that though. I right. love that. That that to me, like as someone who was very as a as a kid, again, it was very black and white. You know, you're either good or you're bad. But this was like a gray area for me. Well, okay, not to get too esoteric, but please, please, but go. but when the hero embarks upon his or her journey, he or she runs up against the threshold guardian, and the threshold guardian is that thing or person that is put in the way of the hero from getting from point A to point B. But what their real purpose is, their real spiritual purpose, is to make sure that the hero or the heroine gets, learns, or attains that which he or she needs to get, learn, or attain to get from point A to, we don't know. So two forces seemingly working in opposition are actually working in concert toward a greater good. And the more you can capture that, right? Yep. uh, the better, the better, the character comes across. The more life the character comes across, the more, the better, the the the, the arc of the hero, the the, uh, the the protagonist of the piece, comes across. So it's all, you know, this is all like so. So bad guy is just a lazy term, like I said, yep. you know. But I was definitely David Marshall Grant's threshold guardian. And that was the role I was playing. Love you know that. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he either had to find what it was that he had to, you know, come to to succeed or or not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. Love that. Right. It is interesting because, well, first of all, I should say that Zach was like, you know, I just really like this Muzzin guy because it really is, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's, he's multidimensional. I mean, he's, he's really just a, 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 you're like, he's really just like a tough competitor. And then in the next breath, we were watching you try and like run him off the road. And you were like, oh, maybe. Okay. But, but to your point, <laughs> to your point, it's like, you do offer him this, like, as during the race, it's kind of like, all right, you, you hang back, you got second, you know, that's my olive branch to you, you know, like, let the big dogs handle yeah. this, you know, I got, I got it from here on out. And when he's like, no, you're like, all right, now I gotta, now I gotta yeah. shake it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. And, you know, listen, Muzzin, Muzzin kind of lays it out in that whole harangue with the reporter where he says, I mean, he trained for the Olympics, the 1980 Olympics, and we boycotted the 1980 Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. So he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, totally. And he's got yeah. like, it's like, fuck this, fuck you, fuck mm-hmm. everybody. I'm out for me. I played the game. I was the team player. I was the Follow good the guy. Yeah. I followed the yeah. rules. You know what I mean? Yep. Guess what? You know, yeah. no more. It's a big day for American cycling to have two Americans beat an Olympic champ. You must feel some pride. Come on, man. Walk it off. No, no, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm not writing for America, lady. I tried writing for America. I spent four years of my life working shitty jobs so I could train and make the Olympic team and ride for America. Look at me. And then some fat asses in Washington started having opinions. The Olympic Committee started having opinions. You, you bitch, I know you. You started writing your opinions. So we boycott the Olympics. I was in the best shape of my life in the summer of 1980, and I got beat by opinions. Is that why you're boycotting the victory ceremony? What victory? There's two stages left. Still, the fact remains. But you wouldn't know a fact if it begged you all night long. Here you are talking Joseph Campbell with us. So, yeah, you know, right. Yeah. Um, have you seen a documentary called Finding Joe, by the way? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It just kind of, yeah. it's a great, especially, you know, you've got a young, young kid and it's a great way to introduce Joseph Campbell's teachings through the lens of today's. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all over that shit. I think it's free yeah. on YouTube too, by the way. I'm just saying. I've yet to see it myself, but oh, obviously, well. uh, might have to watch Joseph that Campbell too. is resonates fully. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Joseph Campbell's work. However, at times his his writings can be a little over it can be a lot to consume. It's as a, a lot young to person. consume. But so yeah. yeah. And and so the documentary is a great way to introduce his intentions to a new audience and interviewing some people that have applied it to their lives and become elevated because Dude, of this is how I live my life. I'm telling you, this is how this is literally how I live my life in the sense of it's like 
what is the foundation? What is the what is the bedrock of what is the what is one's personal bedrock in terms of belief and you know how it is that we make it through our lives? And I yeah. derive it directly from that sort of Cam Campbell Jungian sort of thought process, where things like crisis defines character, mm -hmm. crisis defines character, mm -hmm. right? The, you know, and so, and this is really true about, this is really true in my life. Crisis defines character. How is it that I react in a moment of crisis, you know? Um, and how, how does that define me? And how do I, how am I defined by it? You yeah. know, how do I do that? You know, with the, with the pandemic, like how do I, you know, crisis defines character, right? Yep. Um, and these are sort of the things that I instill in both my kids um, or have tried to to varying degrees of success because they are bedrock, uh, you know, and any circumstances in any circumstance in my life, I can circle back and go, yeah, that's still true. Mm. That is my, he is, this is my threshold guardian. What is it that I need to change in myself to overcome this? What, what is it that I'm, I'm open, I'm willing, I'm willing to learn and and do whatever it takes to evolve yeah you know what i mean so and, and and it's it's just been i can't i can't tell you how important that has been in my life you know and career and in this crazy world and i, I don't mean covid but i mean the film industry and all yeah, of that stuff yeah. like how like how do you navigate that and still have a sense of like terra firma you know, when yeah. you can reflect on it and go, yeah, you know what? That's right. Here's, you know, here's, here's my bedrock. Here's what I know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love the way you, you put that. Yeah. Cause it, it's almost like everyone in their life will encounter some sort of adversity. And it's, it's more about your relationship to that adversity that sort of defines you as a human being. Well, I mean, Jung, Jung said, um, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm. So it's like, it's, it's being willing to dig in the dirt yeah. and like go, because we, we all, you know, we, we carry around all this baggage with us and we have this, these triggers and we have, we're wired in a certain way. And, um, and sometimes that wiring is, is defective in terms of how we interact with people or how we interact with yeah. situations and like how do we how do we recognize that and go i am willing to be rewired i want to mm -hmm. rewire that like how do i figure that out and just like to be able to uh step out of myself and reflect and go okay you know so it's so i'm not a, a slave to those unconscious triggers yeah yeah it's great at all it's great i want to read some, some books now i feel like i mean i mean, not to say i don't read books i just mean like you're uh rekindling that that fire of study no but it, but it's see here's what's so fucking bitching about it is that it's not life is art art is life in in its best form it's like there's you know it's what's true what's you know and and why Campbell and Jung took off it's like they were talking about life and art and they were talking about the portrayal of human beings and you know movie making and writing and acting and directing is the study of man how how do you Dustin work how do you function you know what makes you click you know how does that work and so there, there is no separation. It's not, it's like, oh, this is my work and this is life. It's all one thing. It's all, it's all connected to, you know, not just in terms of creating great art and creating, uh, creating great stories or great characters, but also living your life. And so this is like, you know, you heard about, you know, and I know, and I'm sure you have too, you know, sort of like the method actors who, yeah who you know go about it from a behavioral standpoint and and i i was never one of those mm. but i'm i came at came at it from a more philosophical standpoint 
um, that made sense to me in terms of how I live my art, how I live my life. So does that mean it's it's more of a an emotional sense, like like as well, opposed to method? Like let's use Muzzin as, as an example. It's like you 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 know the experience that this guy has gone through without having to not qualify well, for the. Well, there, there's so there there are a lot of different levels. Like okay, so I I you know I studied with Lee Strasberg for a number of years, and then and then and I never really understood that particular. And I will admit it. I never really understood that particular Stanislavski, you know, method. I never really understood it, never really took with me. And I was just kind of, you know, kind of winging it on my own. And then I studied with Joanne Barron and D.W. Brown and Meisner. Mm-hmm. And and the difference being in the Stanislavski Strasberg method, you never work from imagined events. You only work from actual events right right and meisner was completely the flip side of that is you never work from you never work from real events you always work from imagined daydream events right Mm -hmm. because they have much more power over your mind and they free you up uh, in ways that the other system doesn't really do uh and it was hugely it was and it really sort of um lent itself really well to the whole kind of Campbell Jungian thing. Um, And uh, so there's, it's like, you know, in every moment, it's like, what are you doing? How do I feel about it? The scene's never about me. The scene is about you. The scene is about you. What are you doing? How do I, and to be, allow yourself to be curious, like, what's he doing? How do I feel about it? What's he doing? How do I feel about it? You know, like, you're smiling. Like, what, what is that? You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. right. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and certainly the foundation of that would be like the mirror exercise or yeah. like, you know, those, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like yeah. you could keep going on yeah. and on and on. We'd be I'm right sorry, there with you. No, 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 no. It's, it's beautiful. I yeah. feel like we'll have a separate podcast just for it Joseph is. Campbell. <laughs> right. And Jung. Right. You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing that I don't think enough people dig deep enough into <clears throat> especially right now, like you said, forget about the pandemic that we're currently in, but it applies even more so right now. We need something to help us explain what's going on in in a way that can ultimately put a smile on our face and say, no, there is a method to the madness. You know, as a, as a parent, a parent as well, I'm constantly using this, this, this explanation with my son because I want him to understand that all the things that happen in your life get you to where you are yeah. and they propel you forward. Yeah. And you must accept the negative, the positive and, and the negative in order to kind of ultimately realize where your purpose is in life. Absolutely. And in fact, I would take that even a step farther. It's, it's like embrace. Embrace. Totally. We, we don't get to choose that which comes down the pike. We don't get to choose, but we do get to choose how we, deal with it so it's like embrace it embrace it bring it on yeah. bring it on it's not like oh no no right it's like yeah bring it bring it you know because guess what it's all a gift yeah it's all a gift totally totally and and you talk about you know playing the villain playing this the the, the antagonist um and and those choices that got you to those roles obviously uh, I always saw you as someone that I wanted to see in that hero role, as someone to uplift people. And we're going to jump decades all over the place, but I see you in K2, not as the villain, but you're the leader, the team leader of this of this expedition, carrying a shit ton of weight and a hell of a lot of stress. So of course, you're going to be sh- short with people, snapping with people, uh, impatient with people. And you've got a brash asshole to your right who basically came in because two dudes died, you know, and, and took over. And he's like, I want to be the one to do this, you know? And so you're having to deal with this little guy. And we all have that little guy in our ear who annoys the hell out of us always. And how do you deal with that little guy who annoys you, you know, and ultimately, but step back and go, what is it about this person that is making me uncomfortable? What is it about me that I see in him? But this is a perfect, this is a perfect, so, 
the hero that does not, you know, okay, let's go back to sort of the Campbellian sort of path of the hero. Please. It's like when the hero gets the, you know, gets the sort of the mandate, mm -hmm. right? If he rejects the, or the quest, really, if he rejects the quest, bad things happen. And, you know, Luke Skywalker's, you know, when, when, when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, you have to come with me to Dagobah, to the Dagobah system, he goes, no, 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 I can't, I, I can't do it, I can't, no, no, no. And what happens? He comes back and aunt and uncle are dead, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so if you were to look at uh, K2, you know, my character did not accept the quest and he became a tragic he was a tragic hero yeah so there's some there's and 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 that's a that's an important role you know totally and that's an important role to play um that he didn't change he couldn't change he was not able to like go okay so he wasn't able to step outside and go Okay, this crazy character. All right, let me let me figure it out. Let me, you know, like a, it's like no, he, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you yeah. know, really sort of in a box. Yep, and it killed him. It did. Yeah, it did. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, it did ultimately. <laughs> and I, I yeah. and I do want to I do want to talk about K two. I it just it just popped in my head though about American Flyers as far as the amount of cardiovascular strength you probably had to go through in training for that movie. Just technically going back to American Flyers talking about. Was that a hard thing to get into? Uh, the, the physical shape you had to be we, in for that film. We trained a lot prior to the actual film. We trained probably harder. I mean, by the time we we do, I months we trained for months prior to wow. filming, um, mostly cycling. We it was all day long, so we would cycle mm -hmm. in the morning and we would go to the gym in the afternoon. And it was all day long and it was awesome. It was just awesome. It was really painful for the first couple of weeks. But then after that, and then you just kind of felt fucking great. <laughs> yeah. And you dude. could eat anything. You could yeah. eat anything. You know, you could just oh, eat yes. and you just, and I rode my bike everywhere. I didn't drive my car. Like I would go visit friends in the valley. I was living in Venice and oh I would just, my fucking, God. you you're, know, you're fucking, biking up to the valley. Yeah. I'd be, yeah biking over the Sepulveda Pass. Oh, and it was just like, you know, but, uh, so, um, I don't know. We were, it was, it was just, we never, not one of us were going, Oh my God, I have to get on the bike. No, we were like, yeah, bring it, bring it, you know? So it was really, it was really great and really a lot of fun. And, and, uh, you know, one of the, God, what a gift, you know, you get paid and yes. just go say, fucking yes. work out. And like, goal. you know, you get yeah. paid to do that. You know, it was so awesome. It what a gig. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you were already in pretty good shape, wouldn't you say? I mean, up to that no, point? No, I mean, no? not really. Okay. Not, 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 <laughs> not like that. Screen, not, no, not like that. I mean, you're right. Cycling is a whole, uh, it's a whole other animal. It's a whole other animal. You could look beefy or whatever. And look, yeah, you know. yeah. No, it's not, it's. If you, all the cyclists really are like really thin. Yeah. Really yeah, look at Lance thin. Armstrong or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really super thin. And so that's that was the aesthetic that we were going for. You know, it was like to really, you know, I broke my collarbone on that show. You did? Right? Oof. Yeah. I, I did. I did most of that riding with a broken collarbone. No kidding. Whoa. Hence the anger coming through <laughs> with the, uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of. Yeah. Um, How'd that so, happen? Well, so it was July 9th. Wow. Oh, you're good with dates. No, it's one of those <laughs> dates that yesterday. it's a reoccurring date. In my oh, life, but okay. It was July 9th, and we were doing the backside of the Colorado National Monument, and it was the sequence. Um, I uh, Yeah, so Muzzin was, in, was ahead of the pack, and so it's a series of S-turns that go into a tunnel, right? Is make a left turn into a tunnel. And then when you come out of the tunnel is another like hairpin left turn, right? Oof. So we're practicing, we're, we're doing some practice runs and, um, you know, my, it's a weird day. The whole energy was really sketchy and everybody's barking at everybody else. And, you know, we have a camera car with the, or, or camera bike with the camera on it. And, and, um, and we make one practice run and I hit the tunnel Esther and Esther and hit the tunnel and my friend is kind of getting a little squirrely. It's okay. Come out of the tunnel, make the left, the hairpin left. Mm 
and you know and then we're 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 climbing back up and and the word from up top was can you guys go any faster <laughs> so great so so you know now all the cyclists behind us are real cyclists so they don't know from they're like they're like this and so you know they call action and we're just fucking hauling ass oh and God. and so i yeah. we're through the esterns into the tunnel front end gets squirrely it's okay i and when you get into the tunnel everything goes black and you just see a little tiny hole of light oh. going like this mm. right and i set up no. for the left hand turn and i hit some bad pavement and i know i'm going down oh, yeah. i know i just know i'm going down and i go okay i can't go left because it's cliff cliff right i can't go left so i just go okay i'm going right and that's the last thing i remembered happened Ooh. right past camera and what they told me was that they heard a loud ping and they turned around and they looked and they saw my bike like 50 feet up in the oh, air no. and i'm traveling down the side of the road oh. and at first i was tucked but then i kind of went loose like a rag doll right and you know and then the next thing i remember is looking straight up at all these faces and they go are you okay? And Are so, like Gomer so, Pyle was on set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. So, ambulance, everything goes to shit. Ambulance comes, right? I'm in the ambulance with Gareth Wigan, one of the producers, and I realized what the fuck just happened. Oh, no. And I like, I couldn't, I went to take off my jersey and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't. And I went, oh, man, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. And I turned to Gareth and I said, I have to be back on the bike tomorrow. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, so no. clean break, all of that stuff. I said to the doctor, I said, when can I be back on the bike? He said, yeah. oh, you know, six, eight weeks, something no. like yeah. that. I said, yeah. no, yeah. I have to be yeah. back on the bike tomorrow. Oh, shit. And he looked at me, he goes, I'll be right back. Right. And so he left, he came back with the orthopedic surgeon who said, who looked at me, looked at the x-rays and said, well, it's going to hurt like shit, but uh, if you want to be back on the bike tomorrow, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. Oh, my back on the bike the next fucking day. Bring it! Wow. Fucking bring it! <laughs> wow. Wow. Holy And it crap. healed properly and everything? You, you, you um, I have, I have, um, I can't use this arm anymore, guys. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. I can't reach my <laughs> wallet. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he shakes with his finger. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I have this finger always tingles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there's interesting. some nerve damage going on. But... Oh, yeah. Show business. Show business. Yeah. And, and was stretching yeah. a part of that? Was yoga a part of that? This was a time when yoga hadn't come into fashion, so to speak. No, so it was just physical was Pilates just, would have Yeah, just drugs. Just, just, just some yeah. drugs. Drugs helped. Yeah. And um, and uh, and just uh, and I I wore a figure eight brace. You fig walk back on set and everyone's like, "Yeah, part the Red Seas for the man." Well, with the red I mean, on. Uh, they listen. Production was really... Daniel Larusso's gonna fight Willis Reed <laughs> yeah, is exactly. coming out of the court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, production was really happy and grateful that I didn't like sue them. Was out. Well, there's twofold. Yeah. It's like I don't want to get replaced. Yeah. Right, isn't that well? It wasn't. Like that? that wasn't it. I'm okay. sure. I'm sure what happened behind the scenes uh, during that period of time when I went into the hospital, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so what do we do? And like, we're let's see, how how are we going to do that? Oh, and where yeah. you know, how yeah. do we? Who's gonna? Who's gonna? You know, we had we had uh, stunt doubles or bike doubles. Yeah. But we really went out of our way to put them out of work because we wanted to be, to be doing all the writing. Um, and in fact, the one time that my double appears was that day was, was the rest of that day. Wow. And then, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I think that's one thing that, um, we always talk about movies that tend to get forgotten or tend to get misplaced amongst the timeline. This American flyers feels like one of those, like it should be seen by more people it should be revisited. It should be reminded how terrific this film is on so many levels and the the writing scenes are intense and so yeah, yeah here you are painting this picture yeah. of like okay we're not on a green screen um that's amazing yeah and and mazel tov for coming Thanks. back and Thanks. kicking Thanks. ass brother you're like i don't even want a day i need to be tomorrow tomorrow so when you're when wow. you're when you're you're pushing david with your chin off the road you, you have a broken collarbone yes 
Oi. <laughs> Who's in more pain in that scene? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It wasn't I don't remember it being like really at the like there was a limit I couldn't raise my I couldn't do I couldn't do this. Oh you know man. what I mean? Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it was okay. It was it wasn't it wasn't horrible. It was a nice clean break. Thank the gods. That's right. Thank the gods that <clears throat> here you are. That well, that movie was thirty five years old, you know? Yeah, right. What a trip. Yeah. Um here yeah, we are. Amazing. Like in and, and your career is forty plus years old, you yeah. know? Outstanding. And yeah. for those that you know, obviously everyone's listening to this, you look fantastic. You do. Yeah, you, you do. do. Well, I just want to bring you up like an elevator, not down like also an elevator. Yo, it's Word Burglar. I'll tell you later. I'm the host of the Geekscape podcast. Do you still like this movie where a guest and I find out if we still like a movie that we used to like? I'm also a rapper of rhymes, and I got a brand new vinyl crowdfunder on Bandcamp right now for the MacGuffin device LP. 14 tracks of old school hip hop infused with geeky, nerdy things like vinyl collecting, comic books, video games, action figures, cartoons, Dungeons and Dragons, all kinds of dope stuff wrapped up over old school hip hop beats and turntablism. You can help support at wordburglar.com, and hopefully, I can get in your ears soon. Geekscape forever. Like, do you revisit your films at all, or do you pretty much once it's done, it's done, or not? Yeah, pretty much once it's done, it's done. I don't go back and go, oh, let's watch American Flyers again. <laughs> Come on, everybody, let's watch. Let's let's watch it again. <laughs> Have your kids seen your films? Uh, yeah, I guess the '80s films. Yeah, is, but, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. '80s and early '90s, because I think about K two came yeah. on what '91, I think. And we talk yeah. about how 90, we obviously we have a love for the eighties, Yes, but there's something about yeah. the early nineties that was still kind of holding on to those last notes of inspiration that that decade holds for us. And, and K2 is that movie. It's, it's got its moments where you're like, okay, the, the score is a little cheesy here or there, or, you know, or the, the end credits, for example, are really like hokey with the montage. But that film is a level of intensity that, mirrors american flyers in some respects but it's the complete opposite you're in the summer racing and yeah. here you are on this cold ass mountain and 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 it was i mean this is not again this is not cg we were yeah. i mean it, we we were on the side of a glacier which was like a three-quarter scale uh you know it looked like k2 you know um up in um in canada uh, British Columbia and living in two man tents and wow. an 85 man camp for, you know, I don't know how long that was, uh, six, eight weeks, six oh weeks or God. something. That's a long time. Amazing. Yeah. And the helicopter would pick us up, you know, in the morning to bring us up to the higher elevations to shoot in short days. And, you know, we were there later than we were supposed to. And, and, uh, the weather started closing in and, the, there were days that all we could do was dig out from underneath the previous night's snowfall and, mm. you know, production tent is, we would have meetings like these sort of these production meetings that were really bizarre. It's like, okay, if there's an avalanche, uh, we're, you know, oh, if anybody dies, we're going to have a triage <laughs> area set up over here. And, you know, like, you know, so it was, it was, it was for, it was real. And then traveling to Pakistan, we went to Pakistan and oh, fucking really trippy. It was so great. It was so awesome. Yeah. How awesome. <laughs> How fucking awesome. I know. We, we were talking about this. You, you've done, you know, you obviously haven't done a bunch of sports movies or sport uh, movies. Extreme that, sports. Extreme no. sports, but I think like <clears throat> Drop Zone as well, you know, skydiving. And, and it's so badass. Like you embody these badass movies, you know, and you look like a badass and, and, and you have that image on screen as well. And in K2, like K2, that's, that movie got me into rock climbing. That movie was the reason I started to rock climb because I thought it was so cool. Looking. It's fucking cool. Yeah. 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 Had you climbed prior to that or? No. Okay. Wow. I, no. I mean, I, again, we went through a, a training process, not anywhere near as intense as uh, American flyers, but, no, we trained. We trained big time. Wow. Yeah. So getting into a different kind of shape, I guess. 
Yeah, it was different. It was really different. <laughs> I mean, it was really different. You probably could still eat all w- whatever you wanted, but it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it was totally it was so different. It was so totally different. Yeah, but you know, there, there, it's like a real cyclist looks and feels like a real cyclist. You can with the way they interact with the bike. You yeah. know, a real climber. There's a way. There's a way that things get tied. There's a way that you know. There's a there's a certain kind of um thing that you know in terms of behavior that you can't you can fake it but like to get really good at it you have to like yeah. really at least experience it a little bit you yeah know what i mean so yeah right you don't want to be the guy that like real climbers are watching that movie and they're like yeah oh, oh, you you'd never do that oh man this guy yeah what a loser. hollywood guy over here <laughs> leading the team yeah he doesn't know how to belay. Yeah. He gives good exactly. belay, but you know, yeah. that's where I got that line from my all the time. I'm like, I give good belay. Mm. I'm like, what the hell are you talking and about? No one has any idea what you're talking about. Nope. <clears throat> and then Even someone today. says, You seen K2? And I go, Yep. Mm. You want to do a podcast with me? And say, Yep. Right. And then the rest is history. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's how we got here. Belay. And then by the way, fun fact, Dallas was uh was a name I considered naming my son before no kidding. he was born. Because I just love wow. that name. But yet he he's he's yeah, uh, you basically he's saying that his son Bodie is not named after Patrick Swayze nope. in in Point Break. He swears that, but yet yep. he admits to yeah. you yeah. that he almost named yeah. his son after you. It's and true. K2. It's true. So so often people are like, "Did you name your son after Bodie in Point Break?" I go, "No, I didn't do that." But I did consider but Dalton I, from Roadhouse right. and Dallas from K two, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, okay, uh, okay." And I yeah went with Bodie from the Bodhisattva. Bodhichiva. Yeah. Yeah. I always get that wrong. Thank you, Steely Dan, for ruining that for right. me. So um <laughs> but yeah, K- K2. Oh, by the way, Dallas Schaefer would that would not that's not a good name. No, it doesn't roll no. off the tongue like Bodie Schaefer does. No. Yeah. no. Anyways. Just, or Dalton. But. So B-O-D-H-I? Yes. There you go. Yeah. See. And 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 actually, as far as the Western calendar is concerned, we just said Bodie Day not that long ago. And uh, I, we celebrated yeah. by getting a donut. Yeah. Oh, so, there you go. There you that's go. A, you know, that's a celebration. Well, it's so a circle. We, we call it. We call it a health ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and American flyers. I bet it was a health ring. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, you could eat anything. Literally, <laughs> you could eat you anything. anything. You could eat anything. How glorious is that? How glorious? Yeah. Yeah. And lots of it. Yeah. Cyclists are always eating. They're always Got they're just eating, just eating. Yeah. You talked about the relationship you have with Radong Chong's character. Was there anything that like got cut from the movie as far as your scenes are concerned or anything that was in the script that was like maybe fleshed out a little bit more? No, I think I think everything that was in the script is pretty much in the movie. Oh, great. You know, John Batham, you know, you know, Legend. came from a yeah. Well, he was a he came from an editing background or yeah, I think he came from an editing background. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very, he knew exactly what it was that he wanted. Um, and uh, he was, uh, you know, there there wasn't any fat to it. You know what I mean? I so, appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's just like competency and efficiency. It's like you, not like, we'll just shoot it every way and then figure no, it out no, in post. No, You're no, like, no, eh, he was, yeah. no. And, and and what a what a prince of a man, what a wonderful, wonderful human being. and. Uh, I loved working with him both times on on uh, Drop Zone as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to talk about Drop Zone in a second, but I was just thinking you you said you just finished making Ghoulies behind the camera, and now you're in front of the camera. Um, I'm very naive to that whole world. So was it was it difficult at times when you're being directed and you're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, or I don't know. Does no. that ever come up to you? No, for you? I listen. Um, the longer you're in the business, at least, okay, I'll just speak for myself. The longer yeah. I have been in the business, the more sort of humility I um, have been given in the sense that, you know, my my whole career has been kind of like this. And there was a whole period of time um, when I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't find it. couldn't get a job. I couldn't, you know, and I ended up working in the art department and I ended mm-hmm. up, you know, like working, being an art dog on, you know, being a swing and assistant yeah. uh, art director and, you know, like, and, and, and 
And I loved that. I loved it. I loved it. And so for me, I have this really kind of holistic uh, vision of my place in film where it's like it's all part of the same universe. And like there is there is connection. There's real, real connection between all the parts that everybody plays. And and I, um, you know, this has been, you know, written about where if you want to be a good director, be an actor. If you want to be a good actor, you know, like learn how the other crafts do their stuff. Like sure. learn, you know, and so to yeah. be a, a filmmaker really means to like know exactly what your job entails, you know, um, and especially, you know, outside of like actors are kind of in a bubble, but the people who deal with actors and, you know, the ability to talk to an actor in a language that actors understand uh, is you know, hugely uh, important. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, I think that applies to life in general. Yeah. You know, I was a towel contractor for a number of years and worked with plumbers and electricians yeah. and knowing the ins and outs of their job as well. There's a mutual respect there as well. Yeah. You know, because you took the time to, to understand your that person's job. What a novel concept. Yeah. Right. Yep. Do a little bit of research. The, <laughs> the sort of irony of all of it is like the, the people in our business that are making the decisions, a lot of times, you know, the network execs, the studio execs, they have not been in the business at all. They were just someone's assistant and now they're the ones deciding. And I always find that to be very fascinating and also um, very, you know, frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I can't tell you, I mean, you know, directing low budget features and you have a limited amount of time and you have a limited amount of money and you have a, you know, and like every minute of every day really counts. And like, so, and you know, actors, you know, so, you know, a lot of actors will show up on set like, oh, <laughs> right. anybody got some sides? What are we shooting today? Uh, you know what I mean? And, no, yeah. but, and okay, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> fair enough. Or they will come, they'll have like a lot of ideas. And so you're, before they show up, you're staging this, you're working with the DOP and you're going, okay, so she's going to walk in the room and blah, blah, blah. And this happens, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. We're going to do this. And then we're going to turn around, blah, blah, blah. So you pretty much have an idea of what it is before they walk in. So the actor walks in and you go, okay, so here's the sketch. You're going to do this. And then you're going to go down and then you sit on the couch and blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't feel like <laughs> sitting on the couch. I, I yeah. really feel like going out to the window and looking out the window yeah. and you look over the DOP who's going, yeah. Oh, right. No, no and so window. you have to, no. as the director, <laughs> no you, yeah. your job in that previous, you know, period of time when, you know, you're sort of crafting this thing have to have done it with that character yeah. in mind so that you can go to that actor and say, here's why this works here's yeah. why you do this yeah. and have right. them go oh 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 no yeah. no no i get that that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome yeah right you know oh yeah your character used to sell couches 12 years ago and they mean a lot to you so you should really need to sit <laughs> exactly. on this one right here no yeah, yeah. that was your grandmother's couch <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you're thinking better a lot yeah Sounds like explaining to a five-year-old why writing is important. Well, I mean, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> Super monsters, in, in, but in its worst In its worst version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, you know, you brought up working with budgets that are very shoestring. And I think of Charles Band, who is, we had uh, Dean Cameron and Stuart Fratkin both here in the studio. And Stuart uh, and Dean both, well, more Stuart had, had, uh, fond or not so fond memories of Charles Band um, working with him on a couple films. And Dean brought up the fact that when you made Rockula with him, one of the gravestones had a uh, band, I believe, on it. Yes. Any uh, <laughs> any backstory to that <laughs> or just an inside nudge like, hey, Charles, I got you. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it was. OK, a, so I, I mean, you know, listen. We. 
It's like, what can we, I say? Uh, okay. uh, you know, Charlie Band is Charlie Band, and Charlie Band was notorious for being Charlie Band. Oh, yeah. Um, I met him a few times. Yeah. I still have a, my full moon entertainment yeah. card. No, he was, <laughs> and, and that was sort of like his thing that he carved out, yeah. which wasn't always sort of um, friendly from a filmmaker's perspective. That's a really politically say. correct way to put it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that was kind of like an homage to yeah. the past. So, so the irony is, is that we were working for Canon films. I, well, I was just going to yeah. say with, with another interesting producer. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, and so that was an homage to kind of, <laughs> if there was only one name that was really fitting to be on that gravestone yeah. and that was banned. <laughs> And not his brother Richard, who's a phenomenal composer. No, he's a right really thing. super nice guy. And he a really, really phenomenal, is. Yeah. Phenomenal composer. Absolutely. No I, question. I must say, because I, I have a I have a uh, love of a lot of full moon films, empire films, and you know. Yeah. Because they, they put out some great fun Shoot, stuff, they, that, including you know, Ghoulies. Yeah, you know. Reanimator, you know. Yep. I mean, like Terror Vision. Yeah, Terror Vision. All of the, all, you know, like, yeah, he cranked them. He cranked them out and he he did what he did really well. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And then and then to go from Empire to Canon, Canon in its kind of final days, so to speak. And, and you know. Well, I mean, the, the, it started off a couple of years prior to that um, where we had sent the original. So the original script, the original Rockulus script, was uh, much darker. It was straight ahead. It was Romeo and Juliet. If Romeo were a vampire set right. against, you know, it was pre vampire Lestat, but it was all of that kind of milieu, uh -huh. you know, sort of like set against, you know, the underground rock and roll scene of Los Angeles eighties, you know, yep. um, and, um, and it languished in development, uh, Kit Carson did a rewrite on it. It's like a bunch of stuff went on. Anyway, nothing was happening. I went in to see, to meet with Menachem. Um, and this is a classic. This is so Hollywood. I wish I had had this on film, but yeah. he's watching dailies. He's giving an interview and he's eating his lunch while he's talking to me. And he's going, so, so how much to make it? I said about $2 million. He said, buy so much. Right, he goes, all right, all right. You're in pre-production, make it a comedy. Literally, that's what happened. Oh my God. You're in pre-production, make it a comedy. There was this girl named Mina. She wanted Marina. She was singing back and forth, Ike and Tina. I liked her bangs, she liked my fangs. So we decided to do the crazy Rapula thing. Now her father didn't like it, so we called me a pig. I said, Dr. Van Helsing, here's something you'll dig. We can sing Kumbaya around the campfire. Are you the DJ? No, I'm the vampire. <laughs> I said I'm the vampire. Look, it was a stupid little movie. I mean, it was, I mean, but, uh, I mean, it was silly, yeah. right? It was yeah. a silly little movie, but everybody bought into it. Totally. Everybody yeah. just completely bought into the insane kind of out there thing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I mean, it was made really fully in the 80s, but then yeah. didn't really make it out into the world until like after 89 or 90 do you know what i mean and totally mm -hmm. and i think there's still people to this day that are finding it for the first time because it got released on blu-ray thank the gods that they released some of these movies that maybe would never see the light that, of day. that happened only because there are rabid rabid fans of rockula rabid who uh, one of them started uh, a, um, a fan of fans of rockula group on facebook cool and, and made enough noise that uh, that Screen Factory said, "Yeah, we'll do it." That's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, that's a beautiful because it thing. never yeah, it because it hadn't been released on. It was released on VHS and and it was on uh, uh, Amazon or something. You could see it on Amazon, but there was no, there was no, um, there was no soundtrack. There was no. I mean, it just Which got is kind of left. Which is, should happen because we actually, that's a part of our show is we highlight the soundtrack for these movies. You know, case in point, American Flyers has an yeah. amazing soundtrack. Dude, I can send you a link. We just recently, 
my brother uh hillary who um you know was the composer was he was the soundtrack was all he was involved with all the the, the creation and recording of all the all the music found a tape no that yeah found a tape of some of the, the the actual recordings and um and managed to get it across some tape heads in a way that and so we and oh, remastered wow. them and stuff and so we have like an actual like soundtrack album if you will oh, oh wow amazing yeah I'd have to... i'll send you the link okay cool thanks yeah that Please i mean do. that these yeah. things need to be brought to light yeah because there are so often times when we talk about certain uh, songs from a movie and we're like, why can't we find that anywhere? Yeah. Yep. I'm no joke. There was a song from yep. a movie that we're big fans of. Jake that, No, uh, oh. just one of the guys. Oh, okay. I was a guy <laughs> who email said Folsom prison found me on a message board and sent me an email. I don't know if he actually was in prison and <laughs> who knows, but that's how I was able to finally acquire a particular song. I was looking for. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a shame how these things kind of get fall by the wayside. But Rockula yeah. got its new legs, yeah. which is great. Yes. And and it is quirky. Yeah. I think of like, I think of horror, vampire horror films that stand out to me, like Vamp, uh, Fright Night, obviously The Lost Boys. But Rockula, he could throw that in there where it's like, it, it's not your typical vampire story. You know, the main character's talking to himself in the mirror <laughs> and he's like, an asshole to himself, you know, which is so brilliant. Yeah. And obviously that's probably, that probably changed from the original script. Yeah. I mean, we took, when, when we were told to, <laughs> to make it a comedy, we just took the whole trope, the whole vampire trope and turned it on its head. And we said, okay, so originally the character Val was like, you know, he was like, he was, you know, he was like a young Brian Ferry who's a vampire, like Ooh. ultra mega cool, nice. ultra mega hip. You Brian know what Ferry I mean? Brian Ferry was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, really cool. But, but Ralph is a dork and he's always been a dork yeah. and he's like such a fucking loser. I mean, he's <laughs> such a fucking loser that not only does he have a reflection in the mirror, but his reflection fucking talks back to him and yeah. tells him what a fucking loser yeah. he is. Amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, so that's, that was the way it went, uh, you know, and, you know, yeah. So many actors, I'm sure feel that way when they look in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Um, the Thresh Guardian is your reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You, you had, you had, you had mentioned this really quickly earlier on that John Badham also did Drop Zone. Yes. Were you able to, was that how you got your role in Drop Zone? Was it, or? Yeah. Okay. I mean, essentially, I mean, I auditioned for it, but, but he was predisposed to hiring me. Yeah. So. I love that film, by the way. I, it's, yeah, I it's did a too. fun. I did I think too. 93. I might've been when it came out. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. Maybe 92. Anyways. Um, it's like, you know, die hard in the sky essentially, yeah. you know, with, but, but it's a fun premise. Again, did you have to go off and learn how to skydive and all that good stuff? I had actually done that on my own anyway. Oh, I'd man. actually, I, I mean, they, they were tandem jumps, you know, I, but I, I did five of them and there was a certain period of time when I really thought that it was something that I wanted to do. And I, yeah. I changed my mind. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Um, but, um, so I had done some skydiving, but you know, that was nobody actually, the only person who actually skydived was, um, Michael Jeter, Michael Jeter. Oh, no kidding. Rest in peace. Michael may, Jeter. Michael Jeter. May he rest in peace was yeah. actually a skydiver with, thousands of of jumps under his belt no kidding and he you know of course paramount didn't want anybody jumping out of a plane no but but he did it anyway whoa um he had thousands yeah. so when so he really actually did his own uh sequence when he when he was taken out the, yeah yeah the that was oh him. wow that's yeah. crazy wow yeah. Yeah, and that movie came out in 95, by the way. Yeah, so 95. I'm just, I'm like, yeah. come on now, rack brain, where is it? Um, wow, that's wild. Well, well, there you go. I mean, that's impressive. Uh, I know we're starting to come towards the end. Luca, I I don't know what to say other than it's been a pleasure. A it's journey. been a pleasure. It's been really fun. It's yeah. really super. So happy that you reached out. So happy that this actually, 
you know, evolved so that I could actually be in right. the same room. Because what we didn't talk about and... is you don't live here. You live in you live in yeah. Doha. You just happen yeah. to be here for yeah. for family holiday time. Yeah, yeah. So it worked out so perfectly. Auspicious. Well, and, and perfectly. as our good yeah. friend Richard Horowitz would say, there are no coincidences. So here right. you are. It's kismet, yeah. right? It's yeah. meant to it's be. Kismet. Yeah, meant to be. Yeah. So thank you for being a part of our my kismet. Pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh my, my pleasure entirely. say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win even in the 80s all right thanks so much for listening we really appreciate it don't forget to subscribe and give us a four is it five star rating (laughs) don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on itunes we really Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Who the fuck took my cokes? <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.